Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. Well, good morning. It is great to be with the part of KBC that is not traveling today. I think we have yielded many folks to, to other churches uh, and family members. Um, well, Chris, thank you for the introduction. Um, I, it has been a bit over a year now since I was on staff uh, serving, serving you, and we've now been missionaries for a year in the process of raising support to go do um, the work that God's called us to, and I'll share just a little bit about that in, in a minute. Um, but first, uh, my wife Sarah and our two daughters are sitting right back there, and together we're on staff with Crew City. Crew City is a, um, many of you are familiar with Campus Crusade for Christ or uh, Crew. Um, Crew City is a, a sister organization to the campus ministry that most of us know, and we're aimed not at college campuses, but at cities around the world, and specifically Sarah and I are involved in, in global work. Um, we're going to be moving to Indianapolis in January and, and working out of an office there. So this is not goodbye. We'll kind of have our goodbye, goodbye time in January. And um, you guys will send us off in prayer, and we're, we're grateful for that. But first, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it was about 16 years ago that I came to KBC. And God has done an immense amount of work in my life since then. And he's used you in that. And I am deeply, deeply grateful that I don't leave the man that I was when I arrived. So thank you very much for your work uh, serving God and investing in my life and, and helping me be who I am as I continue to follow after God and be shaped by him and refined by him and, and have rough edges chopped off. This morning we are going to jump into the Bible. We're going we're gonna to open up the Bible together and learn from God's word together. Um, shocker, we're going to be talking about the Great Commission which is exactly what you would expect when you give the preaching mic to a missionary. you got to talk about the Great Commission. But I am me, and I am not traditional, and so we're going to go about it in a little bit of a different way. We're going to start talking about the global part of the Great Commission, and I'm going to weave in some stories of the work that we'll be doing to that. And then we're going to get to, to the very local aspect of the Great Commission, to what really consumes our lives day in and day out. Why don't you open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. If you grab the Bible from the back, it's page 835. The Great Commission is recorded in, in several places in uh, the New Testament, but probably the best known is in Matthew, and that's where we're going to be today. And what we're going to look at is Jesus' final command to his followers. It's what hangs over us today as his people. It's what we're responsible for. Recent data has shown that uh, a very high percentage, more than half of adults that actively attend evangelical churches in America, Protestant evangelical churches, don't know what the Great Commission is. Like, I, don't, I don't think that statistic is true of this local body. But if the Great Commission is Jesus' command that hangs over us as his people, and half of the adult church in America doesn't know what that is, we've got some work ahead of us right here at home. Follow along as I read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you 
uh, for being with us right now is uh, many of us spent, spent uh, hours last, yesterday and overnight praying for Colleen and the cells. We are so grateful uh, for the, the very tangible reminder of your presence and how Brian and Kathy can literally see our prayers being answered. Um, you are with us. You do hear us. And we are so grateful. And Father, as we um, fall under your word, and as we invest some time thinking about this great command that hangs over our lives, I pray that you would uh, encourage us and spur us on and use us evermore to accomplish the work that you have called us each to. In your name we pray. Amen. We're not going to unpack the Great Commission thought by thought, uh, but I do want to draw your attention to the central command of the passage. Verse 19, why don't you look back at that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the command. The rest is modifiers that explain how that is to happen. The command, make disciples of all nations. We will know that it's done, by the way, when there are people in every nation obeying Jesus. The Great Commission is ultimately about obedience. It's not about doctrine. It's not about lifestyle or anything else that we can want to make it about. It's about obeying Jesus. Now, that requires a certain lifestyle. It requires certain doctrine and understanding who he is. But the Great Commission is ultimately about obedience. And as we talk about this, we're going to start with the global part. I promise I'm not going to make everybody who lives in the U.S. feel guilty about living in the U.S. Okay, That's not what this is about. Uh, that can happen, but that's not what this is about. So let's, let's t- start with the global part. This is God's world. And he's always been quite busy in it. So we shouldn't be surprised to learn that news of King Jesus has spread to most of his world. Not all of his world, but most of it. The, the progress that the gospel has made over the last few years even is phenomenal. Um, there, there is a few years ago, um, people way smarter than me figured out that we needed about 5 million more churches in the world to have a church accessible for every living person. So that, so that within access of everybody on this earth, we need about five more million churches. Many of those are in un, among unreached people groups, but many of them are reached, but the, the, the available churches are distant. We've made amazing progress. We're going on over a million and a half churches have been planted in the last few years. Like We're making amazing progress to that, not because of us, but because this is God's world. We sang about it. We're going to sing about it. This is Jesus' world. He is king. His command will be fulfilled. And his spirit is active among his people, making amazing progress. Well, one, one huge change that has happened over the last <clears throat> few years, 30 years or so, is that the world has shrunk. On the one hand, globalization is kind of the march of history. On the other hand, history is in God's hands. And it accomplishes exactly what he intends it to accomplish. But the world is smaller than it's ever been. We can communicate globally cheaper and easier, and we can travel cheaper and easier than we've ever been able to in the history of mankind. That alone is a game changer. That changes how we can do global missions. The the other amazing thing that has happened is the growth and maturity of the global church. Uh, We now live in a world where we have more brothers and sisters in Christ in the global south, Asia, Africa, Latin America, the Middle East, there are more followers of Jesus there than in the West. 
That's startling. We are on the way within a few years the West will only be 30% of the world's Christians. 70% of the world's Christians are going to live in the places we have typically been sending the missionaries. I love that. That's, that is proof that God is on the move, that God's plan works. The global church is growing and maturing. And I will say this, the bad theology that the American church has exported often is what gets the press back here at home. The American church is a mix of good theology, mediocre theology, and bad theology. The global church is also a mix of those. And we cannot discount the global church's maturity just because we have sent some bad theology to them. They are ready to work. Much of the global church is growing up under persecution, opposition, and very harsh conditions, which can have a very purifying and maturing effect. So we're living in a world that has shrunk and where the center of gravity of Christianity has shifted out of the West to the global South. Not that it ever was, but this really is not our ballgame anymore, church. This is not the American church's ballgame anymore. It never was. It's just becoming very apparent to us. As these shifts have, ha- have happened, we've, we've seen clearly, I think, for the first time in many ways, that the Great Commission is a paint-by-numbers affair. The Great Commission is a paint-by-numbers affair, and here's why that matters, because the American church doesn't hold all the colors. We cannot do the job on our own. The fulfillment of the Great Commission is not a matter of the American church and the Holy Spirit doing our thing, and boom, the Great Commission is fulfilled. The Great Commission belongs to the global people of God and requires the global people of God. The Great Commission is a paint-by-numbers deal, and we don't have all the colors. We have to work with our siblings. The Great Commission commands us to go to the nations, but it's also a command to the nations. Ron and Jen are in Cat Lake right now, striving so that people there can meet and follow Jesus. And as people in Cat Lake meet Jesus they are now bound by the same command to go to the nations. It's not ours. It's theirs as well. So, so now what? How do we as the American church engage the global church as we work to fulfill the Great Commission? The landscape has changed. On the one hand, focusing on unreached people groups, which is exactly what every tribe is doing, is, is part of the right response. Focusing on serving global pastors, which is what Leadership Resources is doing, is is part of the right response. Partnering with national believers like we do in the Czech is part of the right response. And and what Sarah and I are doing with Crew City is another part of the response to, to this moment in history as we engage globally. Our our part is that we're we're launching what's called the Global Resource Team for Crew City. We're doing that to foster and facilitate partnership so the global church can work together to fulfill the Great Commission. Because this is not an American command. It's not an American task. It is a global task. We have mature brothers and sisters waiting and ready and already engaging. America receives almost as many missionaries as we send out every year. The rest of the church is engaged. We need to play ball with them. And so we're launching the... the, the, the global resource team, not because nobody's playing ball globally, but to be a part of how that's happening. 
Because right now, we can engage the nations of the world. We can turn the corner from viewing the nations as places that we go to fulfill the Great Commission to viewing them as partners in fulfilling the Great Commission. To finally say we can work with the nations to finish the job better and faster than if we try to do it on our own. And so, so that is the work that we're doing. We're, we're engaging the nations as partners to fulfill uh, the Great Commission. Our team has a, a request from a church planter in a country. I can't say where. Um, it's a really unique request. This church planter asked if we could send several teams every year. And, and we said, why would you need several teams every year? This is not an unreached country. It's an underreached country. There are believers. There's just not many of them. And this church planter said, well, myself and some other church planters, we have a small network, and we have a plan to reach our country for Jesus. But there's a massive problem. We're a closed country. We can't travel. We can't communicate. But if you start sending us teams every year, which will then give us the freedom to communicate so that we can reach our country for Jesus. That's brilliant thinking. That's the kind of thinking much of the global church is doing because they don't have the the kind of resources that we have as an American church. When we hit an obstacle, we just throw more money and people at the problem, and it eventually collapses and we move on. Uh, The global church doesn't have that possibility. They're thinking so creatively. And part of what I love about that request is that 30 years ago, the American church would have looked at this country and said, okay, let's raise up 10 American families and millions of dollars and ship them over there, and maybe in 20 or 30 years they'll have learned the language and be less offensive and we'll have some churches getting planted. Well, now we don't have to do that. We just have to find the Ken Englerts of the world and send them over there, and, and now... The gospel is advancing and churches are getting planted in a country we can't even go live in. The global church is on the move and ready for us to partner with them. There's a second part of the world where the American church has made very little progress over the last 40 or 50 years. God is on the move there. We've just been extremely limited in our impact as the American church. When we go, we have very little freedom and, and we're isolated, which have very little impact on the society. But when Filipino believers go there, they have access to people and places and lifestyles and society that we don't. We are kept out, they are brought in. And there are Filipinos in this part of the world right now as missionaries laying down their lives to see the gospel advance in a place that we can't reach. But There are obstacles that they face. There are places that are closed off to them that are open to us as Americans. And so we have the opportunity to partner with them, to say we will go and do the part that we can do, and you go and do the part that you can do, and together we will have an impact that neither of us can have on our own. And what's interesting about this part of the world is that it's not just the Filipino church, the Ethiopian church, the Nigerian church, the Indian church. There's all sorts of opportunities to partner and accomplish work that we never could on our own as the American church. Brothers and sisters, God has been growing up the global church. He has been on the move in this world. We should not be surprised, right? There are believers around the world praying for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And so when we see that we're marching towards the fulfillment of the Great Commission, we shouldn't be surprised. This is God's world his spirit is, is, is all over at work in his people and drawing people to himself. 
we're launching the global resource team to engage our, the believers around the world as partners to fulfill the Great Commission better and faster than if we could on our own. Here's part of the way that KBC has entered into this with us. Crew is in, as an organization has no central funds to pay our personal or ministry expenses. And so we're in the process of raising up financial support to make this work possible. Crew, uh, KBC as a church has partnered with us in a very significant way, and we're, we're deeply grateful. You are anchor partner, partners with us. We couldn't do this without you. And many of you have also joined us individually, and we are very grateful. We couldn't do this without you. And through that, you get to participate in the global church partnering to fulfill the Great Commission. So thank you. I hope now you have a be- little bit better sense of what it is that you get to be a part of. Please pray for us as, as we, as we uh, sprint to the finish line. We have just over $1,100 a month left to raise, and um, our lease ends in January. So there's a deadline, and uh, so if you would pray with us towards that end, uh, that, that God would wrap up that process, we would appreciate it. If any of you are in a position that you want to take on a new missionary, um, we would love to sit down and share some more with you and, and answer the questions that have inevitably popped into your head right now. Um, I have more stories to tell, too, so hit me up afterwards. We can share some more stories. Uh, our, our, our boss said, when you're done, when you finish, there's a list of projects waiting for you. And I know that that list of projects covers um, China, Central Asia, Tunisia, Morocco, Latin America, Sweden, and I don't know if I said India. The global church is ready. And there are opportunities for us to do work that 30 years ago would have been impossible. But today we can do it. And so we're excited. Here's the deal, though. The global part of the Great Commission falls to all of Jesus' followers. But not everybody is called, like Ron and Jen, to move somewhere else. And not everybody is a professional Christian like us where our nine-to-five job is this work. But that doesn't excuse any of Jesus' followers from being connected to what he is doing around the world. Maybe that means that, maybe for you that means that it's time to take those prayer letters from missionaries more seriously and really engage with what God is doing around the world. Or or, or there's there's some great books that you can uh, get that will give you glimpses into people groups around the world that don't yet know about Jesus, so you can pray for them. I can help you find those. Uh, Maybe there's an organization or missionary that's been on your mind that you should reach out to and get more connected to. Maybe it's Network of Nations, so that you can be connected to the global part of the Great Commission without leaving your county. That's amazing. That's an amazing opportunity. I don't know how it is that God's going to connect you to the global part of the Great Commission. But don't ignore it. Don't leave it to somebody else. Because that command falls to all of us. Not everybody's going to go do what we're doing. Not everybody's going to go do what Ron and Jen is doing. And that's good, right? Because how many of us were led to the Lord, or, or had Jesus explained to us, by a foreign missionary? Okay, well, Jesmers, I'm so glad that you're the international part of our community. <laughs> that was a foreign missionary from another country, though, right? That came to Canada. Korea, yeah, so a Korean missionary in Canada led the Jesmers to the Lord. That's the world that we live in. That was a while ago. Um, 
the global part of the Great Commission falls to all of God's people. So pray with the Lord. Ask him what your part is in that and jump into it. But now let's turn our, our attention to the very local aspect, aspects of the Great Commission, to your life tomorrow, which is probably going to include shoveling, apparently, and, and, and a lot of shoveling. Um, we're actually now going to turn to the passage that's in your bulletins, 1 Corinthians seven seventeen through 24, 1 Corinthians 7. If you grabbed a Bible from the back, it's page 955. Um, if you're flipping through the Bible looking for it, in the New Testament, all the C's are together. So if you find a, a, a book that starts with a C, you're really close to where you need to be in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians seven seventeen through 24. This passage is in the middle of a, a section where the Apostle Paul is responding to very practical and specific requests and struggles that the church in Corinth was having. They had written some letters, he'd gotten word of, of kind of struggles in church life, and he's responding just really practically to kind of a laundry list of issues. And this passage is tucked right into the middle of that, right into the middle of these very messy and very mundane struggles that the church in Corinth was having. And this is what the Apostle Paul has to say. 1 Corinthians seven seventeen through 24. It says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in his condition, in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman in the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. We're not going to get into the weeds of this passage with a deep dive, but instead I'm going to make some observations about it, and then we're going to um, kind of pull out some implications that are very pertinent to us as we think about the Great Commission being fulfilled in our lives tomorrow. Uh, that's what we're after today. Paul starts out with a command in verse 17. Lead the life God has called you to. Wherever you are, whatever you have going on, that's the life God has called you to. That's the life God has called you to. Live there for him. That's the command from the Apostle Paul. To this command, Paul anticipates two objections, and he addresses them. The first has to do with religious past, although the question comes uh, in, in, by way of the, the culture that it was originally written in. And so the question about the religious past in this context is in verses 18 and 19. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek, seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. The issue here is between Jew and Gentile. Circumcision was a line of demarcation uh, in between uh, those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles. 
Jews generally lived pretty tidy moral lives. They followed the Ten Commandments. They had one wife. They worshipped one God. Life was, they were sinners just like we are, but it was a fairly tidy life that they lived. Gentiles, though, not quite as tidy. They generally worshipped multiple gods. They often had multiple wives with all the drama and problems that that would present. Um, they were often in the, the worship of their pagan gods involved sacrifices and mutilation and all sorts of perversity that just left them, their lives in shambles. They didn't have as tight of a moral code as the Jews had. Their lives were just messy. And so to this command to live as you were called, someone says, well, what about my religious background? Either I'm super tidy, therefore I'm, I'm kind of ahead of the curve, or my life is a disaster. I can't possibly be of use. And to that, the Apostle Paul says, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Obedience is what matters. Obedience is what matters. Then comes a second objection, this time having to do with one's station in life. Look at verses 21 to 23. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. Again, this question of station of life was raised in the cultural context of Paul's original uh, <clears throat> readers and listeners. Bondservants were indentured servants. It wasn't chattel slavery where humans belonged to humans like we knew here in America. Uh, it was indentured servants, and they had uh, the ability over time to buy back their freedom if they wanted to. Uh, but as indentured servants, their lives weren't their own. They were completely tied to their master's. Their master's lifestyle became the servant's lifestyle. The master's hobbies, well, that's what the servant's life revolved around. The, the master's passions and perversions, that's the world that the servants lived in. They had no free will that they could exercise because they were indentured servants. They were bond servants. Their master's lifestyle and morality shaped their lives completely. More importantly, though, until a bondservant could purchase their freedom, they couldn't control the direction of their lives. So if you're a Christian bondservant and you know that your life should be about this, and your master's life is about that, you have to move in this direction with your master even though everything inside you is saying you need to be going that direction. You don't have that choice as a bondservant. And so in response to Paul's command to live as you were called, well, what if I'm, I'm continually being tugged in the wrong direction by my master's passions? It's a fair objection to the, this question. What about my station in life? And Paul says, don't worry about it. If you're indentured to a human... You're free in Jesus. And if you're not indentured to human, you're indentured to Jesus. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about your station in life. Somebody's station in life, somebody's religious background, 
has no bearing on their ability and duty to obey this command to live as you were called. Look at verse 24. Paul reiterates it and adds something. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him there remain with God. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your past, live where God put you and live there with him. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your past, live where God put you and live with him there. That's Paul's command. Let's spend a couple final minutes talking about um, some implications of that as it pertains to the Great Commission. We have this command as followers of Jesus hanging over everything that we do, every day that we live, make disciples of all nations. That includes this nation. That includes this community, which I'm really glad for. Sarah and I are actually really sad to be leaving leaving DeKalb County. We like living here with you guys. We're sad to be leaving. We want this community to have an amazing missionary force living right here, going to the schools, involved in the workplaces, engaging in hobbies. We want the witness that Jesus is king, that Jesus is savior, and that Jesus is judge. We want that permeating life in this community. And that's where you come in. We're leaving. You're staying. This is where God has called you. Make disciples of all nations. And then as Paul's walking the Corinthian church through the nitty-gritty moments in life, he says, right where God has called you to what's on your calendar tomorrow and today, live there with God. Do that with God. Your, your most direct mission field is right in front of you. No passport required, no U-Haul required. That's where God wants you to impact uh, his people for his glory. As you consider your, your world, the setting of your life, Paul addresses a couple objections you might have. I, I, I know my past. I know my life. I know my heart. There's no way that God could use me to impact my setting for him. I'm, I'm too messy I, or, or I'm too good and there's no one around me worthy of my time. I guess it could go that way too. Those are the objections that we can have. No way am I useful. I can't make a meaningful contribution to the kingdom of God. I'm just me. I'm just me. Or maybe our objection is, look at my life. I don't have the, the time, the money, the freedom, the, the fill in the blank to impact my position, my setting for the kingdom of God. As soon as X happens, then I will be able to impact where I am for the kingdom of God. Those are two really common objections. I don't have what it takes. I'm not in the right spot. I'm not the right person. I'm not in the right spot. And to that, Paul directly says, you are the right person and you are in the right spot. The Great Commission is for tomorrow when you go to school and to work and when you wash dishes at home. That's where the Great Commission is getting fulfilled. The past doesn't disqualify you from participating 
in the fulfillment of the Great Commission right where you're at. And your circumstances don't disqualify you from participating in the fulfillment of the Great Commission right where you're at. In fact, live well where God put you because he chose to put you there. I know it's so cliche, so cliche. But you're the only you, right? Your, your past shaped you, and your present is what gives you the outlets that you have for the sake of the kingdom. And until you engage well there, nobody's actually engaging with your coworkers and your neighbor, neighbors and your fellow hobby enthusiasts. You're the one that God chose to put there. Do you see how powerful that is? It doesn't matter, when you're thinking back to this passage in Corinthians, to the Corinthians, it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile who once sacrificed that you're a child to your God. It doesn't matter if you're indentured to another human and have no free will. And it doesn't matter because we serve a God whose son was our sacrifice. And we serve a God who purchased our freedom so that his will, not ours, his will can be done. That's the God that we serve, and he intentionally put us right where we are. Okay, you see, I, I love this, because we can live in this Christian bubble where we put some Christians, like we make them Christian superheroes, right? The, the Hudson Taylors of the world, or, or maybe the Ron and Jens of the world. We think, oh, they're the ones doing the really important work. I'm just here. I'm just me. God, we, we kind of want God at times to reorder our lives so that we can then do the, the big work, the important work, the meaningful work. We don't want our lives to just be about going grocery shopping to feed the kids meals that they're not going to like or putting gas in the rusty car to drive and sit in the squeaky chair at my wobbly desk. Like that can be what our lives feel like, and we can be very dissatisfied with that. As soon as God fixes those things, then we can really make an impact for God. We can feel that. But no, God made you who you are, and he put you right where you are because he intends you to participate in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Every one of us who has been purchased by Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection and be made his, every one of us has a part to play in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It's not just the professional Christians that leave. It's you right here in DeKalb County, right there at your desk, right there at your home. There's people all around you that need to meet Jesus that need to wrestle with the fact that Jesus is their king, that Jesus can be their savior, and that Jesus will be their judge. And you are the one that God equipped to help them know that and see that. The Great Commission cannot be fulfilled unless you play your part right where God put you. So KBC, live as you are called right where God put you, live there with him for his glory and honor. It's a closing thought. 
The Great Commission is literally history shaping, right? All of history is moving to the fulfillment of Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations. When that process is done, Jesus comes back. That's the trajectory of the Bible. That is where we are going. That is literally shaping history. And this this vast history-shaping command is fulfilled in mundane moments of obedience. The Great Commission is fulfilled in mundane moments of obedience. For you tomorrow morning, for Ron and Jen in Cat Lake and as they prepared to go to Cat Lake, for Sarah and I as we prepare to move to Indy, there's nothing heroic about it. It's just mundane moments of obedience where God has put us and where God has called us. And so where has God called you? Think about your spheres of influence. Your household, certainly. Your workplace, probably. Your passions and hobbies, definitely. Your neighbors, I mean, if you've got a mortgage, you kind of have an investment in that, in those people, right? Jesus put you there for the long haul. Make the most of it. That's part of your sphere of influence. Maybe you have ambitions to be a part of the community government. Do it. Be there for Jesus. Maybe there's something stirring in you that you need to go to the nations. Go. And maybe you're burdened for the family member that's sitting at home this morning. Go home to them. They need to see you following Jesus well right where you are. Let's pray. We're going to pray for Colleen again. Um, yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for being uh, with us. As you say in the Great Commission, you are with us. Uh, right up until the end. Because then at the end, you, you literally return and we, we watch you return and we get to be with you forever. We pray that you would uh, be with the cells in a very tangible way, strengthen them and encourage them. Uh, would you continue to do many, many miraculous works in, works in Colleen's body uh, to heal her, to restore her, Would you use this process really well, not only in the life of the cells, but in us as a church. Teach us about love and sacrifice and commitment uh, as we love them and care for them and and help them in very practical ways. But most of all, Father, we pray for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We long, we long, Jesus, for your name to be known and worshipped among every people group around the world. We long for your reign to spread and to reach the corners, the far corners of your world. And then for your return and the full implementation of your reign and your kingdom. We long to be faithful servants in that process. And so would you stir in this body, make us useful for your kingdom uh, in ways that we hadn't even dreamed of. Thank you that you're active. Thank you that you called us and made us part of your work. And would you use us faithful in the mundane moments of obedience that you placed before us this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 
For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H-Bible dot O-R-G.